I'm Paula Ferris, and this is Journeys of Faith, where we talk to people about how their faith guided them through the best and worst of times. My guest, Melissa Joan Hart, she grew up on TV, and in this episode, she tells us how her faith helped along the way. I feel like right now I might be just as anxiety-ridden over certain things as I was when I was a, you know, an angsty teenager, but now I have this understanding of it's going to be okay, and this like calm and peace that I feel like people don't have if they don't have faith. We're talking faith and family with Melissa. So I'm here with my friend, Melissa Joan Hart, and it is so good to see you. You too. Full disclosure, we are north of the city, north of New York City. Yes. At an undisclosed location in Connecticut at your home. Yes, at my home. And we were going to do this podcast in the studio, but you contacted me a couple of weeks ago and you're like, I'm kind of freaking out. I have a lot to do. I'm in a, couple a little of weeks. underwater here. Yeah. So, so tell us what's going on. You're you're moving your family. You have three little boys, but you're moving yep. to LA for a Netflix project. Yes. So we got back from a huge European vacation that I planned years ago, and uh, and then we got back, and like a week later, not even a week later, it was presented to me that I could do um, a new series for Netflix, a comedy. So it's going to be called No Good Nick, and it's going to be, um, like I said, on Netflix, 20 episodes. Probably over two seasons, I would imagine. Yeah, I think they're going to separate it probably into two. And are you Nick, or who are you? No, it's the first time in four series that I've been a part of that I'm not the title character. I was Clarissa, Sabrina, and, uh, well, Mel and Melissa and Joey. So, yeah, it's the first time I'm not the title character. I'm the mom. You're the mother. I'm like like the old lady. You're like, but I still see myself as a 20-something. I know. I mean, I have a 12-year-old, but (laughs) in this one, I have teenagers. I think they're they're like 14 and 15 or somewhere around there. They're Mm -hmm. they're true teenagers. And uh, uh, Nick, Nicole, uh, another teenager, comes into um, our home and says that uh, that we're her real family and that she is uh, uh, she's lost her parents and that we're the only living relative she has and she has to live with us. But um, you find out that she is no good, hence no good. Nick, Nick is no good. Yes. And you can be honest with us. How do you feel about playing the mother? Well, the only other time I – so Melissa and Joey, I played the aunt, which mm-hmm. was cool, you know, to be the cool, groovy, and also like a little off-the-wall, very flawed kind of aunt. Um, this time, yeah, I'm going to be playing a very flawed mother, <laughs> but I only played a mom one time in a Christmas movie last year called The Very Merry Toy Store. So mm-hmm. that was the first time I played a, a mom, but the kid I was playing a mom to was the same age as my son. So it wasn't, didn't feel far off. It felt pretty comfortable. This might be a little strange. These kids are probably going to be taller than me because <laughs> nobody knows this, but I'm five two. So you are a petite every, thing. It's the first thing anyone ever says when they meet me. They're like, oh my gosh, you're so little. And then they pat me on the head like I'm a five-year-old or a dog. I was looking at photos. <laughs> I was snooping a little bit before this. Photos of you and your husband and your wedding day. You guys uh, have been married how long? Just had our 15th, 15th anniversary. You look like a child next to him. You're like, he's 6'2". So he's right. almost a foot taller. He, I, I think he's 6'3". He says 6'2". But yeah. I think he's like a foot taller than me. It's like ridiculous. So you've, you've had so many consequential roles over the years, as you mentioned, Sabrina and Clarissa and then Melissa. And now who are you? What is your name going to be? I'm going to be Liz. Liz. Okay. Yes. But is there one particular character or maybe one series that you just really have a special connection with that maybe you identify with? Well, that's like asking you to pick your favorite child, really. Can you pick your um, favorite child for I, us? Well, I could. It's Tucker. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Usually it's Brady, but today it's Tucker. And in the meantime, you know, leading up to all, leading up to this new Netflix project that you have, No Good Nick, you've been directing, you've been branching out. And directing, you really have... I have a phone. You have... That's so weird. <laughs> 
I didn't inter- even know I have a home you, phone. That might be a fax machine. Oh, you actually. know what? My husband plugged it in today for the first time. It's right over here. Yeah, just yeah, just hang it up. Can we see who's <laughs> or unplug us. it? Just I have a it. phone. No, you can unplug that. Please don't edit this out. I think this is <laughs> so hilarious. Funny. You I have no a idea. phone. My husband asked me today. He goes, "Do we have a home phone?" I'm like. Yeah, it's in the office. And he's like, you know, it wasn't plugged in all these years. <laughs> I'm like, well, now it is. <laughs> yep. And and you're welcome. <laughs> yep. And thank you for that moment. So what were we talking about? Sorry. I don't remember what we're... Oh, directing. Directing, you, you've, yeah. You've kind of found uh, this this undiscovered passion. Well, I've been doing it since Sabrina. And really, a- I've been interested in it since Clarissa. It really stems back to Clarissa, me just studying what the directors did and the crew and how the lighting board works and how the cameras work. And then... On Sabrina, my mom being the executive producer gave me the opportunity to actually direct because I was just bossing everybody else around. So I might as well just do Well, it. you're the oldest of I'm the oldest a thousand of children, yeah. right? So yeah, a thousand. A thousand and one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, eight eight kids. So um, seven girls and one brother. Poor thing. But, um, you know, so I, I, I like being in charge. I like being a boss. And I like knowing everything. Like I like being – I didn't go to film school, but every set I was ever on was a film school for me. Sure. So taking that all in and being able to make the visual come alive, it's very creatively fulfilling for me, more so than acting. Mm-hmm. Um, acting can be fun and, and, you know, loose and, and, uh, you're kind of a piece of the puzzle, but when you're the director, you're making, you're creating that puzzle. So sure. It's fun. So you're the oldest of eight kids mm-hmm. and you grew up in New York, your mom and dad, there, there are five of you with your, with your, your mom and dad, and yeah. then they split up. You have three half sisters, right? Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about, um, your own faith journey, because I know that you identify right now as... Presbyterian. Presbyterian. Okay. Yeah. But but I was raised Catholic. You were raised Catholic. So tell me a little bit about this this faith journey that you've been on. Yeah, so uh the town I grew up in, Long Island, was very Catholic town. Everybody. Like I there was one Jewish family that I knew of. And um everybody was either Irish or Italian. And um, you know, it was one of those you if you didn't go to church on Sunday, everyone wondered why on Monday kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. everyone made their communion in second grade together and confirmation and um you know, I, but I was always very curious and it was always very, um, I just felt like I didn't really connect in church very much though. Mm-hmm. I tried, I would try to constantly bring home books, try to read the Bible by myself, try to read revelations when I was a teenager by myself in Orlando. I do not wish that upon anyone. <laughs> I, it's no wonder it didn't, I didn't retain any of it because right. I don't understand any of that language. Back it'll then. scare you more than it'll enlighten oh, you we just did it in Bible as a teenager last year. And yeah. I was like, that was, yeah, it was terrifying. So basically I just found that I like while I was always searching and I always had faith in Jesus as my savior and that that God was out there looking out for us and always very faithful in prayer. Um, you know, I don't know. I think it was because we always prayed at bedtime and over meals. And I feel like anytime I'm talking to myself out in my daily life, I've always been sending that up as a prayer, you know, so whatever I'm sort of thinking about, I'm always thinking about it going to God and kind of having this conversation, this open conversation with God. And, um, I mean, I was always trying to learn more about the Bible, but just couldn't figure out how to, how can I learn more? And so once I became a mom and joined a church, my husband was Baptist. He was raised Baptist. And we in had to, Alabama, right? In Alabama. Okay. So we had to find something together that we would raise our children. So when we, when we moved in together in LA and we were newly married, we searched churches. We went to Lutheran. We went to Methodist. We went everywhere. And we just found this pastor we loved at a Presbyterian church. So we joined the church. We had our first child um, actually, we had him baptized at a Lutheran church near our home, and we didn't realize, you know, we didn't think we were Presbyterian necessarily. We just really connected with this pastor and this church and this church family, and we had a few friends that went there as well, so that helped. And uh, we put our son in Christian preschool, which we thought was very important for him. 
Um, but then it wasn't until we moved to Connecticut that we realized when we were searching churches here also, we looked at all the local churches, the Catholics and the Methodists and Lutherans. And, um, and then we, we were like, let's just go to a Presbyterian church a little ways down, not, not close. <laughs> and, uh, we just really liked that pastor. And we we're like, maybe we are just Presbyterian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we both kind of changed our ways, you know, went, um, kind of found a compromise as far as our religion goes, but between as far as my Catholicism faith, and Baptist. Yes. yes. Yeah. And we find that Presbyterian makes us both very happy. There and, you go. Um, we love, we've loved our pastors and we've, um, we've really connected at these churches and found church families, but it was at the Presbyterian church in LA that I was going to, it was Bel Air Presbyterian. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to join this mom's group and I can't remember what it was. I think it was just called moms, but it was like, uh, M O M S. I don't remember what it stood for. But everybody there knew the Bible so well. And we're sitting in this group, and it wasn't like there and was And how a, long ago was that? This was when my son was maybe one, so 11 years ago. Okay, your oldest. My oldest, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I really wanted to join and understand, and but there wasn't really like a booklet to work off of, I feel like. Or maybe I just went kind of willy-nilly and didn't really join wholeheartedly. But everyone was quoting Bible passages, and I still to this day can't retain Bible passages. Like, I don't... I can memorize lines as a as a job, but I cannot retain them when it's like memorize this bible verse for for bible study on wednesday and i'm like wait what and I, pa- I panic i don't know if it's like give some- me a script sure but not yeah. the scripture yeah exactly <laughs> that's funny oh my gosh i think just uh, rolled off my that tongue. was really funny thank you oh i'm gonna remember that i'm gonna use that okay, thank you but uh yeah so i just like i felt like really lost in that group everyone there knew the bible they've been raised on the bible and i was like okay i just i still don't get it like this is just confusing and so then when I moved to Connecticut, a friend of mine suggested we go to community Bible study, and that just changed everything. Um, I feel like with my walk with Jesus, I've never had that, I've never had one aha moment. It's been a, and my husband and I actually just had this conversation last week that he has the same, he feel, has the same feeling, that it's just been this growth, this continual growth of getting to know him through getting to know the scripture better and getting to know the Old Testament and the New Testament, the prophecies and you know, and, and really studying it and reading it. And, and it was also with my marriage that, um, I started to learn more. My, my in-laws run Bible studies in the South and, you know, I mean, not run them, you know, they, uh, they're choral group leaders and whatnot. And, um, and my friends here in Connecticut, actually by putting my kids in Christian preschool and by joining community Bible study, I made a group of friends here that are all Christians. Um, and so that was really helpful to have you know, people to pray with community. Yeah. My neighbor here, she's, um, she was one of my best friends and we started going together and she all of a sudden became a core group leader because she was so touched by it. Now she, you know, when her children bother her, she falls to her knees and prays (laughs) in front of them so that they quiet down and then they all have a quiet moment and then they all discuss it. Like the prayer brings them all back together. And, um, she listens to Christian music while she cooks now. And, um, you know, so we all kind of have been on a little bit of this journey together here. The women in, in my, kind of neighborhood. And, uh, you know, I really started to learn through community Bible study. I have all my booklets over here in the corner that are, you know, started with Luke, which was great as a Catholic being raised Catholic. I was like, Oh, I know some of this, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, this is what we do in Catholic Mm -hmm. church. And then being able to grow into Deuteronomy and revelations last year. And this year they're going to be doing Mark and I'm not going to be here. And that's the Mm. only, that's the only one of the gospels I haven't done yet. So um, but you know, going back and forth and studying acts and last year was Christian living and it it's really opened my eyes to what, you know, what God wants us to know, what Jesus came here for, what, you know, what our purpose is and that kind of thing. When people ask you what you believe when it comes to your faith, what do you tell them? 
Um, I say that I, well, I, you know, it depends on the person. So for example, someone asked me that last week that was not sure what he believed. Um, and I just said the first and foremost that I'm a Christian, that I believe that Jesus is my savior. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus, um, as his son and that I believe that, uh, there's two things. There's the golden rule, you know, treat everyone as you want to be treated and, you know, be kind to your neighbor and uh believing that jesus is your savior those two things basically unlock the doors of heaven and um you know and that's sort of the bullet points i'll give someone that just wants to know Mm -hmm. sort of where i stand you know yeah and of course you know if you're living this this christian life you're going to be impervious to any sort of negativity right it's just easy correct yeah i mean the thing is like (laughs) when i'm in no it's not easy but when you're in like so just doing things like what just came to mind when you said that was when I'm in my house and I'm afraid if I'm by myself or my husband's asleep mm-hmm. before me and I get afraid, I'm walking the halls and you just get that creepy feeling like goosebumps up your back, like something's not right. I just always, I just say out loud, you know, this is a Jesus home. Satan's not welcome here. Get out. This is a home for Jesus. We only say the word of Jesus in this house, right? Mm-hmm. And that immediately, you feel that darkness go away. You know, that I think one of the great things that I learned was that darkness is just the absence of light. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what, without Jesus, you just have this darkness and then Jesus is the light that brings, you know, and so not having Jesus in your life just leaves this void. Yeah. And it, it can be that simple sometimes, but of course it's, it's a lot more complicated. And once you start getting into things like Deuteronomy, it, or- it just seems, it, yeah, I know. And Revelation, which you just finished, yeah. but it, it just seems like you are so much more secure in your faith journey now than even you were even a couple of years ago. You've oh, yeah. grown exponentially the last yeah. couple of years. Yeah. And, but in, you know, it's funny though, because it, it waxes and wanes, I think too, where I feel like when I was doing God's not dead, I did the movie God's not dead too, mm-hmm. which by the way is in a box set right now. I was supposed to tell you that little plug. Yeah, you can get, I'm getting you a copy. Thank you. But yeah, it's the box set of the three. Um, God's I not promise dead. not to make any copies <laughs> okay. from my parents or my siblings. You can, I'll give you two. <laughs> I'll give you three. Um, but yeah, so when I was doing that movie, that was like a real test. And at first I felt I knew taking that project, I'd already had to pray so hard about it. I already had resistance from inside my family about doing it. Why? Because they, they didn't want me leaving my family behind. It was just a moment when I had promised I'd be home. Um, I think I just finished a season or maybe wrapped completely on Melissa and Joe. I can't remember what year. Do you have to forsake your family in order to do God's work? Yeah. But the thing is to them, I think it wasn't God's work. It was a movie. Mm. So you just, you just broke your promise to your family to be home and you, now you're going to leave them. And so Mark and I kind of got into it a little bit because he wanted to go take the kids and visit his family, but I was going to Arkansas for a month and he wouldn't come with me. And so it became a little bit, there was like a little bit of this, uh, interior, like the struggle that came from more in inside of our lives than I thought it would be. I thought it'd be more outside. I thought it'd be more social media after I make the movie and, uh, people attacking it with reviews and that kind of thing. I didn't think that the turmoil would kind of come from inside my family. And um, the first kind of difficult part was me deciding, almost choosing this project, which I felt very called to do. Once I watched the first movie and I read the script, I was like, yeah, I got to do this movie. You know, if I hadn't felt like it was, um, if I felt like it was more, uh, sometimes the movies can be really cheesy. So they say it like um, the newsboys, uh, they say, um, uh, give me Jesus, not Jesus. <laughs> so, you know, so like, you know, I wanted to make sure that the movie was going to represent in a, in a good way and not 
be one of these films people roll their eyes at. Yeah, and faith films have come a long way. They have come a long uh, way. Long, even, and even, even ours, faith, even since music. ours, it's, they've gotten much better. Mm-hmm. Like, God's Not Dead 2 was a step in the right direction, but it, they And still, I can only imagine got great reviews, too. Oh, my gosh, so. my son just read that as his summertime reading. Oh, yeah. that's great. Um, my husband read it and loved it and gave it to our 12-year-old, and he just loved it. He devoured mm-hmm. it. Um, but yeah, all those, like, you know, there's so many of them. And um, right now the, the Christian-based movies are doing so well because they because the film industry is actually putting time and money into them now. So you have good scripts and you have good cast and you can really make a good movie these days. But working on that movie, when I got there, I was like, is this going to be more like Bible study or more like filmmaking? And mm-hmm. then I got there and I was like, oh, it's, I was a little disappointed. I was like, oh, it's filmmaking, but with a prayer every morning. So the whole crew gets together and prays every morning. And even if you're not on set, they have it on the walkie-talkie. And so like, I got to do the prayer think once maybe twice but i was really nervous about it. i always think about it when i was brushing my teeth in the morning like what if i have just to do the don't today? make me memorize scripture if it was part of i the know <laughs> i'm like Please. i can give a little uh, impromptu prayer right before to 100 people on set but um but don't make me mm-hmm. <laughs> recite a verse then we got to the scenes if you uh, did you see the movie i can't remember yep so there's there's scenes in the courtroom and it took us like nine days to film these scenes in the courtroom and in the courtroom scenes were a lot of people together and there were believers there were non-believers there were people there were major doubters. There was a lot of stuff going on. And um, it was interesting because uh, these all these apologetics professors were on the set with us. Uh, Lee Strobel, um, James Warner Wallace, um, another gentleman who was like an expert in the, one of the leading experts in The Shroud. Hmm. So we asked Not Ravi Zacharias. Mm, that doesn't sound familiar. I can't remember. Okay. It was a, this is a few years ago. And um, we were sitting in a conference room and for hours they were just – I was asking every question I ever had, right? I'm asking about the New Testament versus the Old Testament. I'm asking, you know, when Jesus came, are we supposed to throw out the Old Testament? And they explained to me, no, it's the, he came to, it's almost like if you wrote a book and then you had to go explain that book to somebody. (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay. You know, so there was just all this. And then he explained, he did his entire presentation on what he does at, you know, colleges for about the shroud and what he knows about it and how the coins made the mark of the year and the, you know, all this. Fascinating. Just fascinating. Showed us pictures. He was one of the few people to ever get to see it. Um, so it was, uh, it was, it was really, uh, an eye-opening experience and it changed my view for a while. And Mm -hmm. for a while I was just unfailing faith and devotion and constantly in prayer. And, you know, I, I just felt very, um, moved by it. But then I started to, doubt started to sneak back in, you know, and that's doubting what you believe, doubting what I believe and, and asking all the very human questions that I think everyone kind of does, but so, so hard when to admit. You, no, I, but I think that's totally normal to question your faith. That's how you yeah. actually grow. Yeah. What are some of the things that you get hung up on? Um, oh gosh. <laughs> it just, it feels so blasphemous to say some of it, like honestly, but there's, you know, the play doubt. Um, remember there was a movie, the movie they made years ago. That was, there's a, there's a thing in the beginning of it. There's like a prologue at the beginning of the play. I can't remember what it says, but it talks about basically what you said about how doubt is what leads it. Without doubt, we don't explore and without doubt, we don't. And so I try to lean on that and I try to lean on my faith. And when I have these questions like, you know, was Jesus just a really cool dude or was he the son of God? You mm-hmm. know, when it, when I have these big questions and my, my 10 year old is starting to ask these questions and it, you know, what happens when we die? Do we actually go to heaven? Does God, why would God care about my little life? when he has this whole world and this whole universe and whatever else is going on in the universe that we don't know about, why would he care about my little soul? And, but then I kind of close my eyes and go to my gut feeling and kind of tap into, I guess the Holy spirit really. And 
let him speak to me and it and I, you feel that warmth and you feel that change and you, you and you, all of a sudden just I just I can just go on blind faith mm-hmm. most of the time I can just let it go and go yes of course I believe you know I, I watch babies be baptized at church like last Sunday a baby was baptized at church and and I I, I cry I well up it's it, you know and uh, Christmas music starts or any and it just brings out this emotion in me the doxology <laughs> makes me cry every week and um there's a scene in god's not dead too where i just fell to pieces when they're singing um how great thou art the kids are at the door and they start singing to me and i just lost it those were legit tears those were legit like i turned um to um oh goodness what's his wonderful name um who played my grandfather um your grandfather it's like like blasphemous for me not to say (laughs) (laughs) not to know his name pat um boone and he I mean, I, I turned to him and just like needed him to hold me because I was like, mm-hmm. like quaking with tears. But like, you know, that stuff just moves you and there's a reason for it, I think. You know, it's, um, it just taps into that primal, like that, that spiritual element inside all of us. We'll be back in a little bit. When the rubber meets the road and when you go through these really dark times, I think that's when you find out what your faith is made of, yeah. if it's made of anything. It's true. Um, I know that it's held my marriage together and it's it's really healed me after painful miscarriages and, yeah. you know, just going through life's up and ups and downs. But I find that I find out more about my faith and who I am when I'm going through those valleys and those low points. Yeah. So for you, when was there a moment that, like, your lo- maybe one of your lowest moments when you really had to rely on your faith, maybe you questioned your faith, and how did you get back to your faith? I think it really was around the, well, I don't know. I would say, like, when I got the job for God's Not Dead, I felt very tested. I felt very, and and afterwards also, having to, you know, posting things and seeing comments, and I've actually now, when I feel like I don't want to be attacked, I turn off the commenting, which is a lovely new feature. I didn't know that that was Yeah, possible. you can do that sometimes. I mean, you can do it, but I, I only do it sometimes when I just don't want the debate. I think the debate's healthy, though. You know, I've had situations where, like, my son was going into first grade. He was leaving his Christian preschool. He had gone to kindergarten there. And we are putting him on the school bus. And I decided to say to him, look, in preschool, I was scared. He's going on a school bus, and he's six years old, and he's off on his own. And... How do I protect him now? Um, you know, I have a, I have a wonderful friend who says um, she does the whole um, the armor of Jesus before her kids get on the bus. Mm. The, I don't uh, again another thing I'm I'm trying to memorize, but I can't remember like the I don't know if it's the sword of truth and the shield and the helmet and the you know. So I think that's a wonderful thing to do, but I haven't quite memorized that one yet. But um, you well, know, I'm you use a cue card for that one. Okay, I know, right? I could just yeah, write it on my write fingers on and finger walk down to the bus stop. exactly. But I um. I was sending him off on the bus and I said, look, at the other school, we knew their parents. We knew their siblings. We talked to them every day. We walked you into the classroom. We saw where you hung up your bag. I said, this time you're on your own to decide who's good and bad. We don't know if these people are good people. We don't know if they believe in Jesus. We don't know, you know, and um, he really took the Jesus part to heart, got on the bus, made, a fr- made friends with a neighbor uh, who was a Jewish kid and started having big talks about, well, if you're Jewish, then how do you get to heaven? And they had so the mom and I had to have a little few chats about what these kids were talking about, and she said, "You know what? I, I don't mind them talking about this, although it did continue into sixth grade, and the conversations got a little more heated, and um, some problems came out of that." But um, all wars are started over religion. I know, right? It was like 
they always had a really nice conversation about it for the most part. It got mm-hmm. a little to a point where we were like, we don't talk about sure stuff, certain things we don't bring up. But, uh, you know, but respecting each other's beliefs and listening to each other. And that was a, that was a hard thing to try to, you know, then I was thinking back on that when, when the mom called me with a problem in sixth grade, I was like, well, do I regret telling my son that we don't know if people believe in Jesus? So we don't like know their character or, you know, was that a wrong thing to say? Did I just set my son Mm -hmm. on a bad path or was that the right thing to say? And I should defend that. I, you know, so there, there there've been a lot of moments like that. I mean, some of my darkest, um, I don't think I've ever really gotten that dark. Really? I have to say like, not necessarily in your faith, but like a really low moment for you personally. I had a friend I lost to suicide and that was very difficult because of course suicide, you know, I mean, you know, is he in heaven? Um, is he there waiting for me? I mean, I feel like I've felt him. So I feel like I've, um, had signed, like, I feel like I've gotten messages from him in a way. Um, but I think that's all through my faith. I think that, um, that was, that was one of the lowest times of my life. My grandmother died. We did the rosary every night. She was in a coma. And for a week we had the neighborhood come together and did the rosary every night, which as a 12 year old is very difficult to sit through. But, um, (laughs) you know, but we did it and it was the right, you know, but she still didn't come out of that coma. And, um, that was, that was tough. But I also feel like someone said something really interesting to me, which feels like it was like a whisper from heaven when someone said this, that, um, I freaked out after she died. I said, I can't remember her voice. I can't remember her voice. And one of my mom's friends said, one day when it's really quiet, you'll sit and you'll, I'm going to cry. One day you'll sit and you'll, it'll be quiet and you'll hear her voice. And that to me is like, you know, that right away, I didn't go to a dark place with that because it was like, that's true. There is, there's, she's, she's there. She's in my heart. She always took my tears when we would cry when we were kids. She'd take my tears and put them on her heart and say, it's going to sink and it's always going to be there with me. And I do that now with my kids. And, um, you know, I feel like every time something bad has happened, I've come out of it because of my faith. I've come out of it because I, I don't, um, blame God, I guess, you know, it's, it's for a purpose. He has, it's his will be done, you know? So, um, you know, it just is what it is and we have to accept it. And just because you are walking in faith doesn't mean life's going to be easy. I was being sarcastic earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it can be even more challenging. Well, look at Job, right? I mean, that's what that was. You mean job? Yeah. Job. (laughs) Job. He, um, lost uh, everything. Yeah. I mean like, and that was like the, that's the second book we learned in Bible study. So I think that was, I don't remember if Deuteronomy or Job came first, but oof, that was, um, that was a tough book to get through. I actually yeah. want to go back through that one because that is a very, you know, it, it's a, it's a message that, you know, we, we have to hold true and, and, um, no matter what comes our way mm-hmm. and this is a temporary life and we're just here and we can, we do what we can do. And hopefully we, you know, open up those gates when we get there. Do you ever feel like, your faith's just a crutch. Um, sometimes maybe, but that's what, that's what some of my doubt is about. I think is about whether or not I just, I use it because it makes me feel better or is it really the Holy spirit coming through me or is it, but it's not an animal instinct. That's the thing. I always try to divide what we know about animals and kind of our animal part of our human life versus our spiritual souls. Sure. You know, so I think that that's where it's different is that there's certain 
feelings that we get that I don't think a dog or a dolphin get, you know, like I, I feel like there's, there's something there that, and there's just so much there, you know, everyone I talk to that knows about the Bible that really knows James Warner Wallace, that man brought me to a place where I have never, I, I, I was, I had no doubt in my mind that that man was right when I read his book, Cold Case Christianity. And I made my Bible study group read it. And then I didn't make them. They wanted to. <laughs> and then he actually Skyped into my TV and talked to all of us for probably two hours that's, that's awesome. and answered all our questions. And even at the very beginning of his book, it talks about the universe and how this universe could not be created. And the science that tried to, tries to disprove Jesus and God actually does prove it. Like the way our bodies work, the way the universe works, the way even with the Big Bang, you know, it's something created that that doesn't come out of nothing. And I believe the Big Bang theory, and you'll have to check me on this, was devised by Belgian priests. And I don't think that they were disputing that where we came from. It was just the literal interpretation of of how it cr got of, created. Yes. You know, I feel like it's I mean, everything that I see, I've been talking a lot about gravity recently because my sister's dating a, uh, a man in France who is studying basically the theories of gravity because mm. there's just not enough we know about gravity. And I was explaining that to my kids and I'm like, you know, there is just the right amount of gravity in this world to keep us to the earth so we don't fly off, but not so much that we crush, that we get stuck to the ground, that we can't move. Is that just chance? Is that happenstance? Yeah, what is that? Like that we can jump and fly in airplanes and you know, run and, and even walk. And we're not stuck to the ground, but we're not floating away. Like it is just the right amount of gravity. How does that happen? <laughs> that is not, that is not just, that's not just science. That can't just be science. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you, are you concerned at all? So you're in a good place right now with your faith and this community Bible study, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But you're moving away from your entire support system. Yeah. Is but there you know a concern about not having that accountability around a little uh, you bit know, iron sharpens iron no matter yeah. what you believe yeah i um i'm not worried about that um it's the same thing like my mother-in-law saw me reading a book that had the word magical in the title it was from my book club it's not a christian book club and she saw that book and she got kind of upset that's not a christian book you can't you, you can't read something that says magical and i was like i but i don't feel like i need to have everything christian around me in order to still hold on tight to my faith but I feel like you can still be a good person. You can still be a good Christian and be aware of what's going on in the world and be aware of other, be aware of art and literature and science and everything because God put it here for us to enjoy and well, for us also, to learn. Also, my, my big pushback that I get too is why do you work in a secular industry? Yeah. Well, I get why do you live in a secular town? Right. But regardless of your faith, you're, you're call always called in your faith to be a light. Yes. You can't exactly. be a light just in the places where it's shining. You yeah. have to go to the, the places that nobody else wants to go. You have to, that's our job. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what everybody, you know, that's our, when we moved up here, my in-laws in Alabama were not happy about it because there's a large Jewish population. There's a large, you know, every, I mean, we have uh, Muslims and Buddhists and um, a lot of atheists, you know. But and, don't you think that's a big problem in, in the Christian faith? That it's you have just to be surrounded you by have Christians. to surrounding yourself by like-minded people. And I think that there, that, look, you have to find fellowship. And I have found that in my church home and in my Bible study home and in my kids' Christian preschool and, you know, with my, with my neighbor. Um, so I have that. I have that stability. I have, when I 
have a fight with my husband, I go up to my neighbor's house and we pray together. Mm. And um, I have a lot of friends here I pray with. And um, that's wonderful. But, you know, you, you bloom where you're planted. Mm-hmm. You know, and the grass is... And if not you, then who? Yeah, Especially, exactly. you know, in your, in your line of work. Well, actually, that my I have I showed you before. I don't use saran wrap. I use these uh, canvas covers. And one of them says, the grass isn't greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so true. And actually, to answer your question originally about moving out there, in L.A., I do have some uh, fellowships, some, some um, Christian friends, my old church out there. Um, but on Sundays, I will be going to church in Tahoe. We actually were really called to this church that's that was closed for years and just opened in our little neighborhood and we went there and we found that everyone we know in town like the sheriff people we don't know very well the somalia from our favorite restaurant and the um the sheriff that we talk to sometimes at the parade on fourth of july they all go to this one church and we we walked in that church and it was like generations of families of people we kind of know and i started crying in that service and i was like this is our this is our new church home if we ever come out here and now here we are going out there and so yeah. god kind of led the laid that path before mm-hmm. we even knew the groundwork was was kind of late yeah so i don't know if you ever thought about this particular question but where do you think you'd be without your faith oh um you're right i have never <laughs> thought about that um i don't even know if i have a good answer for it so yeah i don't know i mean i i would assume i'd be really lost because i feel like that's and especially as i've gotten older and especially as i've i've learned studied more the bible um i don't take everything so seriously as i used to it's not life or death there is there's a reason god has a reason for everything and without my grandmother passing away at when i was 12 years old and without my friend dying at 32 and without certain some of the struggles that i've gone through in my life i wouldn't be the person i am today and i wouldn't have learned the lessons that i learned and i feel like those things would have been so much more hard, more difficult to handle. Um, I feel like right now I might be just as anxiety ridden over certain things as I was when I was a, you know, an angsty teenager. But now I have this understanding of it's going to be okay. And this like calm and peace that I feel like people don't have if they don't have faith, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe, I mean, I think that's the only way I can describe it is I don't know if that's aging or I don't know if that's faith, but it certainly feels like faith. I think it's a combination of both. I don't think it's mutually exclusive. There's that verse. It's a wisdom of. Yeah. um, But in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. So there's never a promise that we're going to live in error-free or a peaceful, blissful life. It's you're going to have trouble. Take heart and have peace because it's all taken care of. So if there's one word to describe your faith what would it be oh my gosh faith is the word <laughs> like faith that's, that's the word i always go to is just faith and and um you know i think about uh miracle on 34th street what does she say uh faith is believing in something when common sense tells you not to mm-hmm. and uh you know i go to that and i um i know there's verses for that too <laughs> not just movies but um, you know, I, I think I love that, one word, that you don't love? that you quote movie lines more than you more than quote I quote yeah. the scripture. When you know it comes what? To I think I learned from hearing from seeing it <laughs> as opposed to like more visually than like seeing words written down. I like to hear things, so it's probably that. Yeah. But um, 
I always, everything is in a, like, even in Bible study, I am constantly quoting movies. I'll be like, oh, that's like an episode of, or TV shows. I'll be like, that's an episode of Friends when they say, you know, um, but I constantly refer to things even uh, as silly as like, well, that's like why I don't honk my horn at people in a car because I'm afraid that that's going to set off a, a bad effect. But I, it's funny how I use these things in Bible Wait, study. Wait, you never honk your to, horn at people? I don't like to honk my horn at people. I feel like, what if that person in front of me just had a fight with his wife? Is you're late much more compassionate or, than the rest of than the rest but of us. But I'm so afraid that me honking my horn at that person is going to make them go home and beat their child or speed down the street and run over a cat or you know like set off some sort of a, a, a butterfly effect. Really, yeah, set off a, an unfortunate series of events. Yeah, but yeah, I think probably to answer your question, the one word to describe faith is just love. You mm-hmm. feel that with love, you feel warmth, you feel safe, you feel happy, you feel you know it's it's that. It's that rush of serotonin. It's that's what you know. That's what I think God wants us to feel is loved. Mm-hmm. Is there one last question for you? Is there a particular person whose faith really just inspires you? My husband's reads the Bible before when actually when you arrived, he was reading the Bible. He had didn't have a chance to this morning because he woke up kind of late and I wanted to make breakfast for the kids, so he didn't get his chance to sit with his cup of coffee and read his Bible. He reads every morning for the last two years. He's he had already read the Bible three times through before we met, and. To my knowledge, he's for the last two years, he's been reading every day. And he's been going through, I think it's Jeremiah's study book, and talks to his family about it. And the way we talk with his family educates me more on it. And um, I just, I, I love talking to him about it. I can ask him anything about the Bible, and he knows. Um, and, and your boys also see their dad doing this. Yes, absolutely. And my son, Mason, I have to say, I had a really proud parent win recently when. Um, he just started tackle football and it was going to be practice on Wednesday nights. And he just started last year because he started middle school last year. He just started impact, which is our youth group at our church. And he was one of the only boys. There were only maybe five or six kids going as far as I know. And, um, he decided he was going to bring his best friend and then he's going to bring his other best friend and then he's going to bring the neighbor boy. And then he's going to bring this other friend. We ended up having so many kids by the end of the school year that he wanted to break that wanted to go to impact with him that we had to drive two cars because our giant, XL Denali Yukon wouldn't fit everybody. So we'd have to drive two cars there and back. And, um, you know, and a lot of the parents were like, well, he can go as long as someone else drives kind of thing. But, you know, it was really, my son was, you know, kind of bringing everybody to Christ, which was really nice. Like a little evangelist. Yeah, he is. And actually I was, I'm pretty proud of the fact that I got to bring, I got to bring two new friends to Bible study last year, which was really fun Mm -hmm. and they're sticking it out and they're loving it. So it really called to them. But, um, but Mason, when I told him that he was going to have tackle football and he wasn't going to be able to do impact this year, or he would have to decide, really, he, I mean, the look on his face, I thought he'd be like, oh, well, too bad, you know, tackle football is what I've been waiting my whole life to play. And he was just like, his face was so perplexed, and I was so proud of that moment that he was like, because I think my younger self would never be like, yeah, church over dance or any, you know, whatever I was passionate about, which was only dance. <laughs> um <laughs> You know, I think he he was like, yeah, I don't can can I do both? Can I leave early from football and go late to impact or, you know, and then we heard that football games might be on Sunday, which I'm so devastated to hear because we were like, sorry, you're not you're not playing in those games. You know, I mean, maybe we can go to a church that has a later service, but we're going to church on Sunday and that's what we do. And my kids don't argue with it. it when I was a kid, I remember pretending to sleep late on Sunday because I was like, I don't want to go to church. Oh, yeah, it was a drag. They're like up, ready, brush their hair, 
okay, here we go. Let's go to church. You're doing it's something what we right. Do. You're doing something I'm right. I'm like, I can't even believe that they are, but we've just made it a habit. We go to church on Sunday and it's not an argument. It's not, it's, there's not, there's not a question. You just, let's just go. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards we'll have a lovely brunch with some friends. And, um, we were lucky enough to bring a family with us to church last year. So we've really been like rallying a group of Christians around us. That has been wonderful. And supporting, supporting yeah, and you. It just feels, you know, like I said, it feels, you feel loved and you mm-hmm. feel like you're sharing that love and you're getting that, you know, that, that inner warmth that only comes from the Holy spirit. You know, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. And you we're too. so excited to see you in your next Netflix My project. Netflix show. Yeah. And go get the God's not dead uh, box set. This has been so great. Thanks Thank for inviting you. us to your beautiful Thanks home. Thanks for coming. And, Welcome. And um, maybe you should answer the phone now. Oh, yeah. Whoever was trying to reach you, you can call them back It's now. a home phone. Those are not important. That's, that's the number I put down when I don't want to be able to be called. <laughs> This is our final episode of the season. I want to thank you so much for your support, for subscribing, and just for listening to the first season of Journeys of Faith. We're going to be back a little bit later this year. And in the meantime, if there's anyone that you want to hear on season two, make sure you let me know. You can leave a comment or tweet your suggestion with the hashtag Journeys of Faith. You can tweet me directly. Thanks again to the team at ABC Radio, Susie Liu, Lewis Millman, Mike Dubusky, Josh Cohan, Andrew Kalb, and Steve Jones. I'm Paula Ferris, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for your support.